0: Love, Hope, Radio.
1: Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm Alan Smith, and today is Wednesday, July 7, 2010. And our call in number is 347 826 9170 if you would like to be a part of the show. And we want to talk about, um, once again, Uh, about this truck driver shortage issue that is making the news again. And the uh, one question I have for uh, our callers this evening is, is there a truck driver shortage, yes or no? Uh, I haven't heard from one driver who actually believes that there is a driver shortage here in the U.S. So I'm turning that one simple question to you. As we go along on uh, this evening's broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live, is there a driver shortage, yes or no? 347-826-9170 is our number, and we'll be glad to get you on the show just as soon as we can. Uh, Our show this evening is the truck driver shortage fabrication, and we're going to try to lay out why this whole driver shortage thing is nothing more than just that in uh, my personal opinion anyway of fabrication and we also want to discuss three areas one the current cdl training procedures and two csa 2010 and finally three the cross-border trucking issue and we want to pull all of these three issues together to show how they all come together and how they relate and most importantly how they all add to this so-called truck driver shortage uh... There, there was a recent article a great article written by uh, marissa schultz of the detroit news entitled unemployed hit the road to trucking school and it came out on july uh... second and i thought well what perfect timing because all we are hearing is this driver shortage crisis that we're in and uh, you know i i, I I don't know about you, but I get really tired of hearing uh, from these trucking organizations and associations about a driver shortage, and they're, they're, somebody needs to kind of stand up and you know, maybe just let these CDL students and new drivers know that it's that, it's, the way we see it is just it's just a joke. It's a money making scheme for the OTR trucking industry. Agree or disagree, that's fine. But that's what we do here at Truth About Trucking Live. That's what we're doing this evening. But in her article, Marissa Schultz writes about CDL students, and many of them foreigners, coming on board with a CDL school out of Detroit who is receiving government funds through the No Worker Left Behind retraining program through the state of Michigan. And, and it pays up to $10,000 in tuition for laid-off workers to prepare for new careers and a new economy. And that's how she listed it in her article to prepare for a new career and a new economy. And that term, a new economy, struck me more interesting than anything else in the article. Now, here's a problem. As, as Marissa writes, and I quote, this is from the article, she writes, Hassan Al-Nahi, 47, a former airport taxi driver from Dearborn Heights, came in. The husband and father of six was happy he passed his trucker's exam. He felt optimistic about getting to work. But one month later, Al-Nahai wasn't driving a truck. And this student, he made the comment, he said, they tell me they're going to find me something, and he's originally from Iraq, but so far they haven't found me anything and there's other students who are not working yet after completing the cdl training so the question is why there's a driver shortage right but but let's keep in mind that the cdl school still received the government or state funds up to ten thousand dollars for training that student for a new truck driving career to prepare for a new economy yet after it's all said and done they are sitting at home months later with a cdl pocket or a cdl in their pocket and no job and And this is just one school out of many who take in the government money, but the CDL student is left at home still unemployed. So where's the driver shortage, and why are they not being hired? Uh, Big question, why are these schools being given thousands of dollars to train new drivers just given thousands of dollars, and the student is left as a no-hire? In the state of Michigan, according to the ATA, Michigan has seen a 35% increase in truck driver training schools since 2005, but freight transport is down 15 to 25%, and this is why, this is what ATA is saying is drying up the demand for for drivers, it's drying it up. Uh, Plenty of schools, but not enough freight, but yet we're told about a massive truck driver shortage, so... It's still going on, folks. CDL schools raking in thousands of dollars for training new drivers who are not getting hired at a time when there is supposed to be a driver shortage. So can you see how this one aspect of current CDL training procedures is adding to the notion of a driver shortage? So if you'd like to read the article that I'm talking about here, just Google unemployed hit the road to trucking and you'll find it. The school makes their money, but the student is left without a job during a time that we are being told there is a massive driver shortage. And we're going to get more into this on this evening's broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. Plus, we are going to bring into the equation the CSA 2010 and the cross-border trucking issue, pulling them all together to show how they relate and how they create this thing that they are calling the truck driver shortage. So as a CDL student, a new driver, or someone considering OTR trucking as a career, you need to know how all this works in order to better prepare for a career in trucking. And I want to give you a little bit, a, a little tip here for all our Michigan listeners, our listeners in Ohio. If, you, if, if you're in Michigan, if you're in the state of Ohio, you're looking for a good CDL training school, I want you to go to trainco.com, that's T-R-A-I-N-C-O.com. Very good CDL training school, very trustworthy, they do what they say they're going to do. That's a little tip I'm just throwing out for our Michigan and Ohio listeners, trainco.com. If you're looking at a CDL training school in those two states, uh, contact them and, and get the ball rolling. Um and you know I got a um I got a, a email the other day from a um let me get this thing out of here. This thing bugging me. I got an email the other day from an owner operator leased on with one of these trucking companies lease programs who was telling me about the hardships he was going through trying to survive out there. And at the same time I know there are owner operators making it good out on the road. And uh, I'm hearing from a lot of drivers, freight is picking up really good. It really is. It's picking up across the board. A lot of drivers are doing a, doing a lot better now. But it, it it takes three things to make it as an owner-operator in the trucking industry. One, you have to get on with the right carrier. And two, you have to have an understanding of how to run a business. And three, you absolutely have to have the right... Truck Lease Program. So if you want to start out the right way and beginning your own business as a truck owner-operator, there is only one place I recommend for your um, truck leasing needs, and that is Lone Mountain Truck Leasing. Lone Mountain Truck Leasing has offices in Council Bluff, Iowa, right there by Omaha, Nebraska, and another one in Simpson, Georgia. And with a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, they offer the best lease purchase plan in the industry. You make the monthly payment, and when the last one is made, they hand over the title. No big, giant balloon payment at the end that kills so many drivers. Their reputation and service is impeccable, and they are a company you can trust. And you can even check out their trucks online at LoneMountainTruck.com. I spent 14 years as an owner-operator And although there are trucking companies who offer a decent lease program, they are few and far between, and statistics show that most lease programs through these companies are set up for failure. Now, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease program that I've seen in my 34 years of trucking, so stop setting yourself up for failure through these trucking companies' lease programs. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing and do it the right way. LoneMountainTruck.com. This is the only name you need to know when it comes to truck leasing and starting your own owner-operator business. LoneMountainTruck.com. Our call in number 347-826-9170 and now before we dive into this we want to bring you up to date with some new facts about Jason's Law. House Bill H.R. 2156. We all know about Jason's Law named after Jason Rivenberg and how his wife Hope and New York Congressman Paul Tonko have been working hard on getting Jason's law passed, which would provide, uh, what was it, $20 million per year for six years for a total of $120 million, which would go to building the provision of more safe and secure parking for our nation's truckers. Well, Jason's law is included in a massive transportation bill that I've talked about before where I said that most often a good and viable bill that would be a great and much-needed law often gets lost within the giant bill that it's included in, and that may be the case in H.R. 2156, and we want to get this info out there so you can understand exactly what is going on with Jason's law and donna has the whole scoop on this because she called the highway and transit subcommittee and spoke with a mister Todd core who is a staff member so i'll let donna explain just what is going on with jason's law and afterwards we're going to play for you a song dedicated to jason rivenberg and showing support for jason's law and you're going to hear it nowhere else but right here on truth about trucking live And we're going to tell you about a new trucking CD to be released soon with all new and original trucking songs. And we have been given permission by the songwriters and performer to play a few of those songs from the CD this evening, and you won't want to miss it. So, uh, debuting for the first time anywhere here on Truth About Trucking Live. So, Donna, bring everyone up to date on Jason's Law and what you found out by Mr. Corr of the Highway and Transit Subcommittee.
3: Okay. Uh, Hi, everybody. Um, This is Donna. Um, As you know, uh, June 28th was the National Call-In Day uh, to Washington, and we did ask everyone along with uh, OIDA, OOU, and many other blogs, and everybody was on board with this, supporting this National Call-In Day. Uh, Let's see, Sirius Radio had a few shows on it. So as far as I know, it was a big success. Now, when we called... Um, we actually were on the phone for about four hours because we decided we wanted to call all twenty seven representatives in the state of Florida, plus the four uh, people in the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, along with the Subcommittee uh, of Highways and Transit. Um, as you know, Jim Oberstar he's the the chair for the Transportation and uh, Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and when we called, their office i got to speak to todd core who was in the subcommittee where jason's law is of highways and transit and we wanted to know why is hr 2156 jason's law stuck there Uh, it's been there a while it doesn't seem to be moving and what's the deal and i'm going to tell you out of everybody we called this is uh Todd Core was actually the most honest and transparent and this is what he said and although what he said was disappointing uh it it was it was honest. And he said that the there are things in Jason's law for parking that are also in this bigger bill called the Surface Transportation Authorization Act. So most likely they would uh, just keep that Transportation Act along instead of uh, pushing Jason's law. Now, as I told him, that's a very big problem because when you put the needs on for truck parking on a huge bill, and believe me, I went on the internet and I looked at this bill and there's tons of other things attached to it. Uh, funds that would be allocated to all kinds of things. And he really couldn't give me uh, a number as far as, uh, you know, dollars-wise of what the allocation would be, uh, the funding would be towards towards the, the truck parking. But anyway, this has been a problem for 10 years. Uh, truck parking has been attached to all kinds of bills, and it just seems to never... Never really get the appropriate funds that it requires. Um, he also stated that Jason's law is not a new uh, pilot program for truck parking. That we now have the truck parking facilities pilot program, which is under Safety Lou, which is the Safe, Accountable, Flexible, Efficient Transportation Equity Act, and under Safety Lou. Uh, truck parking was awarded $25 million over six years for truck parking through the year 2009. Well, I found out from a reputable source uh, later that none of that money was ever issued. Now, recently, imagine that yeah, recently now the USDOT did release six million dollars it, it was in uh, I believe it was in the trucker that they announced it quite a few uh, you know journals online announced it uh, that Oregon, Utah, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, and Tennessee did get six million dollars. However,
2: Not a piece. That's between all five. That,
3: right, between all five, which, you know, it isn't a heck of a lot. And I was shocked to find out that this uh, pilot program did not release the $25 million. And we're going to research that even further. If there's anyone listening tonight that wants to dispute that, call in and say, um, oh, no, that's wrong. That money was uh awarded that 25 million was awarded over the uh six years through 2009 then we welcome your phone call but as far as we know the only money that came out of that was the recent uh usdot release of the six million which was just i believe like around the 27th or something like that it
2: was it was the day before the uh the uh call to action for jason's law by everyone
3: well that's yeah that's <laughs> which, which i found ironic yeah that that is a little uh a little funny but anyway um now as far as the jason's law what we believe that that needs to be its own pilot program with its own funds allocated uh in order for 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 it to do really anything and here's some real irony this truck parking facilities pilot program had 25 million over 6 years okay a lot of people criticized jason's law because they said well it's only going to have 120 million that's nothing well 120 million is a heck of a lot more than 25 million and i think the main thing to know is as long as it's spent on what it's supposed to be spent for, then really it's going to be a help. So we're urging uh, Jason's Law to be passed, not to be attached to an, uh, another big bill, which is and, – and you can look at this bill. It's, it's really amazing. If you look at the bill they want to attach it to, the Service Transportation Authorization Act, and you kind of have to go through a few hoops to to see it. But if you go on the blog, uh, the post that's up there, there's a link to it. And uh, it, you can just read everything else that's attached to that bill. I doubt very highly that any of the funding in that is going to go for truck parking. So we're still going to be pushing for Jason's Law. Our suggestion uh, that you know we made to the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, uh, was to to reconsider the safety needs of the general public and the professional truck driver by pay, passing law as it uh, as it as it is and not attaching it to anything else. Um, let's see. Well, you know,
2: they throw they throw something like this in a giant bill like that because it's it's just so much easier to to sneak that money out and throw into. Uh you know like saving a rat out in the California desert or something
3: Oh yeah I you know it it's easy to to well let's face You did a funnel. But, well for 10 years this has been an issue and from what from what I understand for 10 years it's it's always been mentioned in all kinds of uh things and yet uh the funds have never seriously been, or appropriately been allocated to the truck parking. And it is serious. And here's another thing I want to mention, okay? And and the general public needs to realize this. If you're on the road next to a driver that needs to rest, they've they've driven for uh, many hours, they're tired, and they can't find a, a, a parking space, then you're driving next to somebody who theoretically could have an accident because they can't find truck parking and especially at a time when the FMCSA is all up in arms over the um, sleep deprivation or inadequacy. Um, You know, sleep apnea is is a big deal right now and they're worried about drivers not getting adequate sleep because of uh, sleep apnea and they're requiring all kinds of testing from drivers. Well, here is another reason the drivers are tired. It's because they can't find uh, adequate parking. So we, we need to really look at this seriously because it goes hand in hand with safety. Uh, it should be a number one priority to make sure that these drivers can park and rest. The other side of that is when they can't, they're parking illegally, causing uh, safety risk to uh, other drivers. So I, I think this really needs uh, the general public's attention, especially we're in an election year. I think the general public needs to realize the seriousness of uh, Jason's Law, the adequate park parking for drivers. Um okay, so
2: what, what was the final thing that this uh, – uh- uh, what was his name?
3: Uh, Todd Core, and yeah. I, I'm going to just say it again. He's really the only one that took any time to really explain all this. I was supposed to have people call me back. I ended up uh, speaking with a lot of people who would say, well, I'm not really in there, but I'll give them the message, which I doubt they did. And then they said, well, here's their voicemail. Put your message on there, and they'll call you back. Well, they did not call back. So I, uh, I have a lot of respect for this gentleman, and as I told him, I said, listen, what you're telling me is very discouraging. However, I appreciate your honesty and your transparency to this whole issue. However, I do hope uh, that they reconsider this, and I told them that, and I explained yeah, everything. Yeah,
2: and boil it down again. What was the, what was the exact thing here real quick? How 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 did he leave it? What where is it sitting at?
3: Where is it sitting? That's just it. It's sitting. It's sitting in the um, highways and the subcommittee for the um, transportation and hold on. Let me transportation infrastructure. Yes, but it's in the subcommittee of highways and transit. Yeah. So, so it's, it's just sitting, just sitting there. there. Okay. And uh, we're we're going to do our best, and we hope everybody out there listening does their best. You know, tweet it, write a blog post, do whatever you need to, but let the general public know that this indeed is as equal a safety uh, hazard as anything else. So okay. that's basically where that is. Now, um, did you did you want me to talk about the uh, that CD that's out with Barry Allen and?
2: Yeah, we can, because so, as I mentioned earlier, a new CD with uh, all new and original trucking songs will be released soon, within the next few months, and songwriters uh, Barry Allen and David Ayers and performed by John Johnson are the guys who have put it all together, and you already know one of the songs, what they're going to do when the big rigs don't roll. We've played that one for you, But with, but this evening, with their permission, uh, truth about trucking live uh, is uh we're honored to bring, be able to bring you uh heard for the first time anywhere uh a song in honor of Jason Rivenberg and in support of Jason's law and Donna I guess the uh the title of the CD apparently is going to be uh, when the big rigs don't roll
3: yeah i think uh i spoke to david um yesterday and uh, they were still deciding on a title because it's it's really ready to you know go into uh, production. They have the master copy ready. As a matter of fact, they're going to send us one. And uh, when the big rigs don't roll is probably going to be the title of the CD. And some of the songs on there, um, that it's not all of them, but here's some I I wrote down because we didn't receive the master copy yet are uh, When the Big Rigs Don't Roll, Say a Prayer for Jason. That's Jason's Law that we've just been uh, speaking about and for Jason Rivenberg, and you're going to hear that shortly. Uh, The Trucker's Brand, which uh, I'm going to tell you was written by Alan uh, quite a few years ago, and they liked it so much that they uh, created the the melody for the lyrics he wrote. Uh, Truckers Get No Respect. Big John's Coming, Gas Pump Socket to Me Blues, <laughs> Liberty, which is a patriotic song, The Sun Always Shines, I believe that's a bluegrass song, and uh, the DAC, they, they wrote a song about the DAC report, and we've heard that, we have that here, and uh, we're not, I don't believe we're playing it tonight, uh, we, but uh, we've heard it, and it's a really good song. Um, we're very honored that we've been in close contact with David and Barry for the last, uh, I don't know, six, nine months, ever since uh, they they came up with this idea, and we've been uh, putting our input in. And, and they are two of the nicest, most sincerest uh, people, as well as extremely talented songwriters, and John Johnson, who sings, has so much passion in his voice, and you'll hear it tonight
2: well, the purpose of this c d really is to uh and i don't think there's ever i mean the last the last major trucking songs have been back in the seventies, and they've put this c d out really to uh, to bring attention to the current day issues of the industry just like you said, the DAC report you know and the problems with the fuel pump so really donna that's uh uh, they're bringing it up to date on what uh, we're facing with the issues with the trucking industry today.
3: Oh, yeah, they're, and they want to relate the compassion of what truckers go through. So so these songs were really written um, for truckers. Uh, that, that's really what they did it for. And, um, you know, I, I haven't heard all of them myself. I can't wait for that master copy to come through. We've heard about uh, four of them so far, four or five.
2: Yeah, so uh
3: so okay, like
2: I said, we uh we've got their permission and you're gonna hear it for the first time anywhere this evening on Truth About Trucking Live. We're honored to do so. So uh here it is in honor of Jason Rivenberg and in support of Jason's Law, Bill H. R. twenty one fifty six, a song entitled A Prayer for Jason.
1: Drove that truck Reaching for that blue-collar dream Hard-working man Making a living Driving that big machine He loved his son Joshua And hope his wife But for seven dollars he lost his life with nowhere to rest In between his loads He was shot to death on the side of the road Say a prayer for Jason Say a prayer for Joshua and Hope Say a prayer for all the truck drivers Look out on the road Just say a prayer Say a prayer Say a prayer They say accidents are rough Because of driver fatigue But states keep closing their stops When they know that's what we need You can't find a place So you're stuck for the night So you park on the road And you risk your life I don't know about you But it makes no sense to me If they'd pass Jason's law You'd have a place to sleep Say a prayer Jason, say a prayer for Joshua and Hope. Say a prayer for all the truck drivers stuck out on the road. right, and doing right has no price, pray they'll pass Jason's law in his name, and he
2: And Donna, pretty powerful song. Don't that, you
3: think? That's that's just an incredible song. I mean, I, I don't know about everybody listening, but um, that that's a hit in my book. Uh, it, it just it just touched me. You know, I almost started crying listening to it. I I spoke to Hope. Uh, she, we we did send it to Hope, and she called me up, and uh, she was so touched by it. Um, really, I, I don't know what else to say because it's, it's just such a moving song. I, I don't know what everybody thinks out there. Are they in the chat room? You know, I, I can't see the chat room, but I'm
2: sure. Yeah, yeah, we've got a, quite a few in the chat. Uh, you know, they had to get the entire message of Jason's Law into a three-and-a-half-minute song. I think they did a great job. I think
3: they did an awesome job. <laughs> uh,
2: and that's just one of the songs on this uh, soon-to-be-released CD. We're going to keep you informed on that and uh we'll have another song uh, coming up there so uh so absolutely we'll keep you posted to when the cd comes out and continue uh to show your support for Jason's law even though it's just sitting there um uh cuz things can happen and yes, if not now you know down the road but we're going to keep pushing it and so many people are behind this not just us uh, so many uh, others uh, blog about it write about it do it on their shows so we're we're just keeping a Jason's law out there to let these people in the subcommittee know that there are thousands and thousands of us out here who say Jason's law is very important for the truck driver's safety in this country, and they need to um, they need to pass it into law, plain and simple. So um, so hope you enjoyed that. Heard first time. We're very honored to be the ones to uh, bring it to you, and we appreciate the songwriters and. Uh, Barry and David and John, um, uh, who performed it, uh, doing it right here on Truth About Trucking Live. So, again, our show this evening is brought to you in part by RigQuote.com, the only place you need to go for all of your insurance needs. And speaking about owner-operators a minute ago, if you're an owner-operator small fleet owner, freight broker, freight forwarder, whatever your trucking business entails, RigQuote.com works with over 50 of the best insurance providers across America, and that's how they can find you the best insurance coverage at the best price. Plus, they offer many types of discounts that can even make your insurance payments lower without sacrificing the quality that you need. As a business owner, you understand the importance saving money where you can, and insurance is one of the biggest expenses you face, so why not get the best coverage at the best affordable price, and you can get a price quote in five minutes or less, just go to rigquote.com and see for yourself, that's rigquote.com. Now our show this evening is the truck driver shortage fabrication, and you heard me talk about how the current CDL training procedures are having a a direct impact on this so-called driver shortage issue, and and many CDL schools still receiving government money to train new drivers, but yet months later, the CDL graduates are still sitting at home without a job. So, how can there, how can that be if there's a shortage of drivers like they are screaming that there is? Uh, Uh, Donna, before we move on, um, anything you want to add about this training? Well,
3: yeah, Yeah, I I just want to say you mentioned the No Worker Left Behind. There's also Mm -hmm. the Workforce Investment Act, Mm -hmm. which is also uh, another uh, government program which funds uh, training. And there's also uh, the company training. You know, people people need to realize after uh, these uh, grads come out of school, they have to go to a – company that will, uh, will hire trainees. And uh, one of the problems with that is there's a very high failure rate. And I know we've written about, you've written about it uh, so many times. Uh, I know you've got a new chapter in your book that you're ready to uh, update about the training processes, and hopefully that'll be out next month. And, by the way, if you've already bought the book, you get the updates free, so you don't have to buy anything over again, um, just to let you know that. But, uh, anyway, the problem with that is the failure rate is so high. And just to let you know how that goes, uh, once uh, a trainee is hired at anywhere from $0.12 a mile, you know, to $0.17 a mile, whatever they're paying the trainee's, uh it is a way to uh you know get freight moved cheap and once they're you know done with their 2 months of training let's say they work another 2 months uh a lot of them don't make it a lot of them uh fail and there's a extremely high turnover rate of the trainee drivers and uh, th- this is <laughs> This is part of the driver shortage, actually, because really driver shortage and turnover rate, in my mind, it's almost synonymous. It's like the same problem. Uh, It's retaining the drivers. You know, I know, Alan, you've been saying that for 10 years. I've been hearing you say that. But, you know, people really need to realize that uh, unless something is done about the actual CDL training within the companies that this continuation of the turnover rate, the student trucker industry, so to speak, in other words, the companies get uh, funding for taking on a trainee, and if that trainee doesn't work out, oh, well, let's bring in the next one. There's more funding. And it just keeps going on. It's a great moneymaker. So that's a big part of the truck driver shortage. Um, tonight, you know, the message pretty much is Who's going to benefit from the truck driver shortage uh, You know, what, what's going on I mean, we'll get into CSA 2010 That's going to be another cause of the truck driver uh, shortage And legitimately so in some parts And then not legitimately in other parts um, But anyway, that's pretty much the CDL training Unless there's something done to uh, have an awareness People getting into the trucking industry, many of them have no idea what they're getting into. Uh, the, uh, the rosy pictures painted. Uh, let's say they make the the school, and they come out. They really don't know how to drive. Well, let's face it. So they need these company training programs. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of issues going on within the company programs, and we've said it again. There needs to be that needs to be addressed big time, and we would hope and we have heard that there are going to be some government interventions with that. Uh, I don't know if that's rumor. I don't know if that's real, but it needs to be uh, addressed.
2: Yeah, um, no, There's been talk in Congress. Some congressmen are looking into these uh, CDL schools and the training procedures and specifically looking into these uh, truck and company lease purchase programs. So uh, there's getting to be a little fire uh, stirring up underneath that, and it's about time.
3: Oh, absolutely. I know uh, over on uh, I know Desiree wrote this tremendous post on her blog. I uh, uh, can't. I think it's her Real Women in Trucking blog, all about C D L training. And I think it was her part two. And I read it, and I mean, she she really gets it. Uh, you you can go over there and, and read it I mean we have quite a few written But this is the most recent and up to date That I've seen so far To realistically uh, let you have a handle On the CDL training I know Alan has a couple on the examiner And, and he's ready to put out part 3 on the examiner Also uh, for his series of CDL training But um, that's up there now And if you want to read it You'll get a handle on what's going on uh, With the training um, but, uh, that's all I have, uh, okay. as far as that goes.
2: Okay, let's take, uh, let's grab a few callers here who's, uh, been holding here for a minute. Uh, let's see. Uh, looks like caller from, uh, Georgia, area code 229. Uh, welcome to the show. Go ahead.
4: Hey, how y'all doing?
2: Hey, we're good. How are you?
4: I'm fine. This is, uh, James Houston, dogman.
2: Yeah.
4: My friend, How, uh, are oh, How are doing you? Oh
2: are
4: you? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, I, I, I got a little bit to say about this uh, driver shortage thing. Uh, okay. I don't know if you remember, but uh, from November to, I believe it was like uh, the 2nd of February there, I was laid off, and I just was told, you know, well, you know, times are tough right now from the company that I worked for for six years, dedicated worker.
5: Uh, mm-hmm.
4: Nothing I did, but they just said, you know, times was tough and I just lived in a bad spot. Yeah. And during that time, I did all kind of Internet uh, applications with just about everything that had one, uh, you know, searched all around, well, They all come up and said it was because of an accident report that I had that was uh, non-preventable and that it was on my DAC report or, uh, you know, something like that, you know, was their reason for doing that. Well, you know, I've been back to work since February, and now all the companies that turned me down said they couldn't hire me because of insurance purposes, because of my driving record, you know, just whatever excuse they came up with. Now all of a sudden they're all, all hot and heavy, trying to get me to go to work for them.
2: Is that right? That's right. You know, and
4: I mean, I had, a, uh, I've been driving ten years. I got a good record. I got good references. I ain't had a bad report from anybody I worked for. But the whole problem was, was you know what most people ain't looking into was. At the time that all this driver shortage thing come about, the freight rates was down, trucking was down, and that was their move to try to bring in cross-border trucking and to be able to hire people from overseas. Mm-hmm. And, they was, and they was going to try to use this. Well, we just can't find drivers. You know, we, we look all over, and we just can't get enough drivers. So where do mm-hmm. we go? Where do we do? Right, and
2: that, that's what we're going to be touching on, and uh, not everybody is seeing that, but uh, but but you caught on to it.
4: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if you, you're familiar with all I do and everything, but, you know, I'm pretty up on all this stuff. And uh,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I see you on Facebook there.
4: Yeah. But, see, what, what the whole thing of it is, is they want, the reason they want this cross-border program and all so much, it's not... You know, everybody's looking at at the picture of uh, Mexican trucks coming in from Mexico and running in the United States, and mm-hmm. I think what, what they need to be looking at is they're going to say, well, let us be able to go to Mexico and hire people from Mexico to work in the United States. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm talking about? Exactly. You don't... It's not the trucks that you're going to have to worry about, and that's what everybody's focusing on is all the Mexican trucks coming up here and running in the United States. It's a it's a cover, and what the cover is is they want to be able to say, well, nobody from the United States wants to go to Mexico. They're too scared. It's too dangerous, all like this. So why can't we go to Mexico and hire the drivers to run this cross-border program? You see what I'm saying?
3: Exactly, yeah. and you know we're having we're planning on having a show um, within the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be cross border trucking, and we are going to get into all that. And as a matter of fact, one of the guests for that show is going to be Dan Little, who's the president of the uh, Owner Operators United, and we invited Porter Corn. I'm not sure I'm sure you are familiar with him, uh, the Mexican trucker website. Are you familiar with his website?
4: I haven't been on it, but I've heard his name before.
3: Okay. Um, well, so far he has agreed to come on, and we're actually going to have a debate uh, about the Mexican trucking uh, issue. Now, you know, he's a, a an advocate for Mexican trucking, and we want to keep the show, you know, civil and, you know, actually hear what he has to say. On the other hand, you know, we have – you know, what we believe in, and he knows that, and um, most of you know where Dan Little stands on this also. So hopefully he will come on. If not, we're going to have the show anyway, and, and we'll try to play a little devil's advocate of what uh, other people, you know, why they w- would support it. I don't know very many that do support it. However, you know, we want to be able to throw those uh, seeds to think about in people's minds. Yeah, it'll be
2: good to have a debate, hear the other side, oh, absolutely. And, and go back and forth. So uh, looking forward to that show. We're just waiting to hear from him.
4: Uh, well, I'll I tell you, you know, if you look at what's driving the trucks nowadays, it used to be that people that didn't have no skill and couldn't do very much was your truck, average truck driver. But now, people like me, I was a general contractor building houses, you know, I subbed out the labor and did that from the main contractors, and I live in Florida. And the way they did it was first they come out with a million-dollar liability insurance. That that was hard, but we could pay that. But in Florida, uh, you know, at the time, I could work for myself and have one person on workman's comp, and that was all I was required. Okay, Workman's Comp takes out 15% at the time, took out 15% per person. Okay, so the insurance didn't take us out. What happened was is they said, okay, let's make it a mandatory five-worker Workman's Comp requirement plus this insurance. And, you know, when you take five times 15% of what you make, what do you got, you know? Yeah, and and then the contractors would say, okay, well the carpenters they can't afford to do that, so they'll come and work for us, and we'll still charge them the cost of the insurance, then deduct it out of their check, and brought our wages down to nothing, and that that's how I wound up getting into trucking. You know, I mean, it just you know I couldn't make a living doing what I love to do, you know, building and working with my hands, but now. Mm-hmm. Me being a flatbed driver, every job site I go to, especially in Florida, and construction sites, they don't have con- you know carpenters and contractors and all like it was when I was there. It's just a group of Mexicans that don't speak any English. They'll find one person that can speak English and is good about telling them what to do, and they'll pay him a lot of money. And then the rest of them, they, you know, they give them their chump change to go out there and work, and they follow mm-hmm. that one leader, you know. And that's right. the same thing I see coming to trucking, you know.
6: Oh, let's exactly. Get,
4: let's get these cheap people in these trucks, and all we got to do is we get these GPSs that talk Spanish, and, you know, that, that'll tell them how to get there, and we'll get a dispatcher that can communicate with them in Spanish and tell them what they need to do. And they're, they're happy to go out there and drive fifteen, twenty cents a mile. You know.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, that's nobody. the whole. That's the whole thing. Um, first, you have to create uh, a, a shortage in order to justify doing that. And the more hype you create, uh, and the more you can prove that you don't have enough uh, drivers, then the more you can justify doing that. So, uh, you know, you've hit the nail on the head and you actually, you know, you're, you're, you're ahead of us on the show here because these are some of the topics that, you know, we're going to be bringing up tonight because one of the requirements for an H-2B visa, uh, which is for foreign workers, it's supposed to be for temporary work, is you have to, the company has to show that there is a need for these drivers, and that there's no American uh, 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 employee available to do the work. So creating a a driver shortage is a big advantage in order to hire uh, foreign workers. And and they're not all Mexican, let me tell you. I mean, there's a lot of foreign people uh, driving trucks, and uh, they're from all countries all over.
2: Yeah, see, that's the thing. They... uh... Um, and thanks for, thanks for the call, uh, Mad Dog, appreciate it. That's the thing, too, is because uh, I've looked at these visas, and if it's going to affect American workers, uh, then they can't, uh, I mean, they can't come here. So it's just like you said, Donna, well, they figured that out. Well, we'll create a shortage, and, and that's, exactly, that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, they create it uh, by implementing uh, CSA 2010 and new health restrictions. And the um you know the things that we're going to discuss, and that's the two more issues that uh is being added to and actually creating this driver shortage fabrication. Uh the the uh the first one like we talked about is the CDL training and the other two CSA twenty ten and cross border trucking. So let's look at CSA twenty ten. I mean we're we're hearing from veteran drivers who are losing their jobs already due to CSA twenty ten. And these are safe, expert veteran truckers. I know, Donna, you've heard from some.
3: Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I spoke to somebody this morning. It had an interesting story. Um, he feels, well, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. I think we need to, to state this, that um, CSA 2010 was created for safety. It was created by the FMCSA to eliminate uh, poor or unsafe drivers and companies from the industry. And I do believe that that was its initial initial motive. Yeah. However, uh, as with uh, anything else, people who are resourceful and opportunists can take something like CSA 2010 and use it, to their advantage, I mean they they just can do that they know how, and what is an advantage well it's their bottom line so uh, a lot of these um, things to to make it difficult for drivers that you would create a shortage first of all you're going to have your your shortage because yes, people are going to lose their jobs on c s a twenty ten and it, it it's going to be the first people are going to be the ones who really are unsafe, and i don't think that Proportion is that great. Um, and I, I don't know if you were going to talk about this already, which you probably were, but we're kind of, I'm kind of on a roll right now. But uh, the other part of that is to be able to use that, like you were just mentioning, and tell a driver, well, we can't have you because you're a risk, and because of CSA 2010 we have to let you go. Well, where's the proof on that? I mean, how's the, the driver going to argue with that? So this morning I spoke with someone on Skype, and he felt <clears throat> that they wanted to get rid of him uh, because uh, he was, I won't say old, but I, I, I'm going to guess he's in his uh, 50s or, or maybe early 60s. I have no idea. Uh, but what happened was, he was it was during the snowstorm, And everybody remembers the storms we had this winter. They were really, really bad. And he found safety in a truck stop and was parked. And dispatch said, there's a driver over at another truck stop, and we want you to swap trailers with him so he can go home for Christmas. And this gentleman said, "Uh, no, I don't want to, and really gave them an argument, it's really bad out there, and I've got this spot, and it went on and went on. And then finally came the threat, uh, which everybody who's listening tonight knows the threat. Then, well, we'll see what kind of miles you get if you don't. And that was the threat.
2: Yeah, and, you know, uh, that brings up, uh, that's going to be a focus of our next show next Thursday. Um, just to throw in real quick, Force Dispatch, uh, July fifteenth, two 2010, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Because um, trucking companies under federal law are not allowed to retaliate against drivers who refuse to drive because of bad weather or refuse to break any kind of uh, uh, federal regulation. So uh, it's funny. I hadn't heard that story, Donna, but that's going to be the focus of our next show.
3: Well, uh, what happened was he did end up going. And because he he didn't want to, you know, lose his miles and take yeah. that kind of chance, so he went over there.
2: Ended up having a wreck.
3: No, he uh, he told the driver it ended up being a very, very small truck stop, and there was no way they could swap the trailer in the truck stop because of the way it was situated. Uh-huh. And so he told the driver the only way we can do it is you're going to have to pull out, and we're going to have to go somewhere and do it. Mm mm-hmm. So they went on a road, uh, and they swapped it out. And this driver who wanted to go home for Christmas that, uh, you know, the other gentleman did the favor for mm-hmm. when he didn't want to, uh, ended up getting stuck because it was a severe snowstorm that was going on. And uh, they had, he had to get towed. Well, what did the company do? They fired both of them. Even though they forced, yeah. Even yeah. though they forced driver A to do this when he didn't want to.
2: Yeah. So. Well, that's that's what goes on, and uh, I hadn't heard that story. That's going to be the focus of our next show, and I'm going to be pointing out uh, exactly what the Surface Transportation Assistance Act of 1982 says, and supposedly OSHA and FMCSA. Are supposed to be behind this, where uh, be behind this, where trucking companies cannot retaliate against drivers like that. So that's our next show. We'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, it happens all the time. And uh, uh, but that's one thing, Donna. We're saying that this driver shortage, in order to make it work, it had to be created. So the CDL training plays a big part in that. CSA 2010 is definitely playing a big part in that. I'm hearing from a lot of older drivers who are. Uh, being um, basically just kicked out of their job for really silly reasons like that, sometimes no reasons at all, and they're using the CSA 2010 uh, as a reason. Let's bring on, um, I believe this is Patches uh, out of Delaware, area code 302. Patches, you've been hanging a little bit. Uh, welcome to the no show. No problem. What's going on?
6: Yeah, well, I'm alive. If I say any more than that, now I'd be a liar.
2: Oh, good. What do you think about all this?
6: You, well, driver... uh, I was looking at some of these uh, messages coming on here. That one driver, uh, I like I wrote on there, I'd advise you to talk to uh, some uh, uh, older drivers that's been around a while and mm-hmm. go to that one website that Dylan put on. That will give mm-hmm. you a good insight. Now, uh, as far as the, them two drivers getting fired, according to, like you said, OSHA is supposed to be able to uh, come in and demand or whatever, as long as you've got the proof to back you up.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: That driver be able to have his job back with no repercussions.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> but you know as well as I do, they'll figure out right a way to have repercussions. Right. right. But uh, as far as this other driver, uh, talking about cross-border uh, it's not just the fact that uh, we're having uh, Mexicans, uh, Israelis, I and all them other people in here. It's the fact that uh, is the equipment safe and is the driver safe?
2: Mm-hmm.
6: Are they uh, able to qualify under our DOT regulations? That's the equipment and the driver. If they're not, then they're not allowed. There's been a lot of uh, slippage in that out as- uh, in that aspect. Didn't you Well, come that's up- going
3: to be a couple of things we're going to discuss in that next show. Um, that we were talking the cross-border trucking, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on all that on that particular show.
2: Yeah, because there's a lot of problems with that. I mean, you know, and and um, this this you know. Not bashing the Mexican people, you know, boy, you know, I love Mexico, I love the country, I love the culture, but a lot of problems there, and one of the problems we mentioned before is the um i mean you know they don't keep log books, they don't really have a record uh We all know that they can uh, you know pay off the right people to have a new record created, but You know, they're going to have to, Donna, have some way of looking at that and before flooding this whole thing in. I mean, I'm sure Ray LaHood, Secretary of Transportation, you know, I mean, he, you know, pretty intelligent guy. I mean, I I don't know if they're going to flood the whole thing with this, but the problem with this is um, taking jobs away from the drivers, who we're hearing from now, who aren't don't have a job. I mean, it, it's all part of creating the truck driver shortage in a, in order to open this border.
3: Right, and just hire right. cheaper labor. I mean, you know. Yeah, and
2: you know that's another thing that bothers me because I mean I do like the country and the people. I mean I have friends there and I've been to Monterey and and uh, I've studied the language a little bit. I mean I I I just I love the culture and the language and the people, and to me it's like it's just abusing, it's abusing them, yeah. bringing them in here, using them as cheap labor, although they might be, you know, I'm sure they're happy with the, the wages they would get, but to me, I look at it, at it like as an abuse to them.
6: That's what I, yeah. that's the way I see it, yeah. the big abuse, because when they get over here, uh, are they going to be safe enough to be able to handle that truck? Is the equipment going to be safe enough? to uh, be in the amount of uh, public or on the roads uh, here in the United States. Well, That's a big problem. they're going to have the
3: same inspections as the U.S. trucks. I mean, they're going to be pulled over just like everybody else.
2: Well, they're going to be under U.S. law, too, because, I mean, anybody, whatever country you're in, you have to abide by that country's law. So, I mean, they're here in the U.S. They're going to be under U.S. law. They're not going to be able to operate here unless they have a U.S. DOT number. So, I mean, I'm sure all that's going to be looked at, but, um, I mean, the real issue, the focus of this show is there is no driver shortage anyway. They're creating it because this has all been planned for years, and it looks like it's going to, it looks like it's, I don't know to what effect it's going to be open, but it looks like it's going to happen. I agree. I want
3: to, I wanted to bring up something that um, I don't know how many people listening tonight know this, but I was reading uh, an article, and it was posted, uh, let's see, it was in Trading Markets, and it was on behalf of the ATA, Keith Klein, who is the uh, Executive Vice President, and Chief Operating Officer of Transport Corporation of America. And uh, on behalf of the ATA, uh, he he came up with these uh, things that they're contesting from CSA 2010. And one of the things that I found to be almost outrageous was uh, a section that was labeled Continued use of violations committed by drivers who have been terminated. And what, what they want to do is they are requesting the FMCSA to dismiss violations of a driver after, if they've been terminated from that company. Uh,
2: yeah, to get it off their record. To
3: get it off their record, Exactly. And because right now the way CSA 2010 is set up, if the driver gets a violation, then the company gets a violation. Well, a lot of times the driver's violation are because of the company. Either they could have pushed them uh, HOS violations, perhaps the equipment was... uh, in bad shape, they might have asked the driver or the company, "Listen, you know I can't drive this. I'm going to get a, a, a violation if I do," and and they threaten them like they they did with the gentleman I was just uh, talking about, um, and say, uh, "Well, you, you need to take it. We we need to get going on this, or we don't have time, or take a chance, whatever it is that they say." Yeah. Uh, so what 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 the what the request was was that they take those violations off their record, the carrier record, if they fire this driver. In the meantime, that driver now is probably not hireable right? because now their driver score is, is poor, and if they go through a pre-screening process, then they probably won't. So when they speak about driver shortage, it's a shortage of, uh, appealing drivers, hireable drivers, good drivers, um, and the truth is, a lot of the time, uh, who they hire from the beginning was a poor choice.
1: Right. So,
3: you know, it, it's it's this whole scheme uh, that's going on. But I found that request to the FMCSA, and I I strongly believe that they're gonna uh, that they're gonna disregard that request. I mean, they had some legitimate. Requests on there also, like, um, okay, drivers having an accident on the record that, that they didn't cause. Uh, yeah, that it, should, that, that's a legitimate thing. The second concern yeah. violations from warnings you know, shouldn't be on there. That was a legitimate request. And if you want to read this article, um, this gentleman, uh, Keith Klein, actually brought it up to the House Transportation and Infrastructure Subcommittee on Highways and Transit hearing, and it was addressed to Chairman DeFazio, Representative Duncan. And these, ironically, are the same two people who uh, Jason's Law is sitting in this highway and uh, transit hearing. So um, anyway, if you want to look at it, it's on uh, just type in uh, trading markets, uh, ATA addresses concerns of CSA 2010, and you'll be able to read the whole article and the requests and uh, what the ATA is uh, is requesting from the FMCSA in regards to CSA 2010. But that was one uh, that stuck out with me.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to want to. Uh, uh, now, if it's legit, if it's a driver problem legit, and, Patches, thanks for the call, uh, you know, that's one thing. But if the uh, company, and most of the time it's the company's pushing the drivers. I mean, you just heard a story about that snowstorm and everything pushing a driver to do it, and then the driver gets terminated, well, yeah, I can see why they would want the driver's records taken off of their CSA 2010 score and everything. But uh, good luck with that. I mean, if if the FMCSA does that, then the whole thing really is corrupt.
3: I don't believe they are because this is, so this is what they said. They said that their perspective is that it is appropriate to do, since the violations are a reflection on the carrier's screening, exactly. training, and management controls.
0: Right.
2: So uh,
3: now the carriers are saying, uh, in response to that, uh, yes, but you know their termination is evidence that the motor carrier has an effective fun- functioning. Safety management control in place specifically <laughs> yeah progressive disciplinary program well yeah. they hired them from the beginning, all this went on while you know they were working for them, and now you want to fire them to clean up your record right. um, and and i 'm not sure how many people caught that on there or if they even read the article, but just yeah. to let you know that 's one of the requests
2: yeah, well, we caught it uh, uh, a okay. caller from uh, the Show Me State, Missouri, area code 314. Welcome to the show. Go ahead. Oh,
4: hey, okay. Uh,
2: you're here. <laughs> okay,
4: that's cool. Uh, how I was just – oh, I'm not too bad. How, how you all doing tonight?
2: We're doing real good. What do you think about all this?
4: <laughs> oh, believe me, we don't have a long enough show for me to, to tell what I think. <laughs> I mean, I've been – I've been, I've been, I've been driving 18 years and I've seen, I've seen so many changes and these, these, uh, the cross-border trucks, the, uh, I mean, shoot, you've got drivers driving in America right now for American companies that don't even know how to speak English. How did they get their CDL? Yeah, I know. uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but, and then, and then, and then adding in bringing in the Mexican trucks and stuff. Now I'm, I'm not racist, I'm not prejudiced, everybody's got to work. that's fine True. okay but 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 when people are taking money out of my out of my pocket and off my table, then I have a problem
3: absolutely. It's not a racist issue, and people want to make it a racist issue, and it's not, and that's just to uh take away the attention from what it really is, and that's American jobs
4: Amen, amen. Yeah. And, and as far as the driver's choice uh I'm gonna have to agree with y'all. I believe it's fabricated because it's it's tough nowadays to find a job as a driver
2: Mhm well, you know yeah. i mean they're they're talking about all this big hiring going on, but I don't know if you caught the beginning of the show, but there's still there was just a recent article out of Detroit from a school um I mean, students completing the CDL training and a month or two later still not hired. So it really doesn't make any sense if there's a driver shortage, but nobody's getting hired.
4: That's, that's weird. Uh, well,
3: it, I was speaking to somebody the other day, and their company is bringing in 100 trainees per week. Now, a very small portion of them will actually make it through, obviously. Because they probably don't even have enough trucks to to fill 5,000 drivers in a year. But it's it's a continued process of bringing new drivers in. It's for cheap labor. It's for government incentives. It's a regular industry that goes on the trucker student industry. So. Oh, exactly, you know,
4: exactly. Yeah. You know, and this is this is something I know not. Not to interrupt you or nothing, but this is something I've learned myself. These companies—they don't care who they hire, as long as they can get them through orientation. They don't want trucks sitting. Okay, the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, uh, company I am with—they figure it costs them about six thousand dollars a week for a truck to sit. So they want drivers in these trucks, at least driving one or two loads a week and then they can uh, rotate new stock is for lack of a better word.
2: Well, yeah, rotating is a good word. Uh, I mean, that that's what's been going on for a long time, just a rotation of drivers, specifically the rotation of new drivers. Now, you say you've been driving 18 years. You're still on the road, right?
4: Yes, sir. I'm in New Jersey right now.
2: Have you seen a, a big pickup in freight like it's been, like it's been reported? Has that
4: <laughs> i'm a leased operator and i'm 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 sitting here broke okay no no there's no i i let uh let's see two weeks yeah two weeks ago i got twelve hundred miles for the whole week uh, i i talked to now, another you, driver
2: you, are you excuse me are you are you leased on with a company or are you uh i mean you get your own own freight for a broker or what
4: no i'm i'm a i'm a leased operator
2: Oh, okay. Lease purchase.
4: And,
2: and you're not you're not seeing the pickup of freight out there.
4: Oh no, 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 no. Uh I talked to another one of our drivers, uh company drivers, and uh he had been with has has he's still with them. He's he's been with the company seven years and he said even in June, uh there was two weeks back to back his paycheck was less than two hundred dollars. Oh,
5: now that's God. a
4: That's a seven-year veteran. Okay, now other companies. I've talked to drivers from other companies, and they say they never slowed down during this recession and everything like this. They, I mean, I've talked to a lot of other company drivers, and they 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 say they are just going crazy.
2: Well, so now, why do you think that is? Because I I hear the same thing on this side. I hear, man, it's, it's just it's picked up. I'm doing great, and on the other side. I hear what you're saying. I mean, what what's your perspective on that? What do you think?
4: You know, honestly, uh I can't I can't say. Hey, I mean, you know, I mean, I sit here when I unload, I am ready to reload and run again. Uh-huh. Okay. I I I mean, I make sure I always have hours, I'm always ready to go. I I want to run. And it seems I can't get nothing. But how these other companies are doing it and my company isn't, I I have no idea. And the thing is, my company is one of the big ones that everyone talks about.
2: Oh, it is. One of the major characters. Well, that's, you know, huh. Yeah, that's puzzling. I mean, because I hear, I hear the same thing, too, back and forth. So, uh, I mean, I do believe that with this um, – the CDL training procedures and the rotating of drivers, and the CSA 2010, and now this NAFTA and cross-border trucking issue. I mean, I I see just me personally uh, a, a monopoly building. You know, I mean, because mm-hmm. um, I mean, we all know the major carriers, but really, eighty percent of the trucking companies in this country. Uh, only operate one between one and six trucks, eighty percent. So, I mean, can't as as a professional driver. I mean, can you see a monopoly building here? Oh yeah, in in fact, I
4: mean, in it's, fact, it's I've, I've, Well, I've I've been seeing it over the years. I remember when Swift bought out MS Carriers uh, and a few other companies. Uh, see who else? Uh, Yellow Freight bought out. Uh, Conway, I think. Or not no, not Conway. Conway just bought CFI. I mean I've seen I've seen all the old companies get bought out by other people.
0: Uh-huh. And it
4: and like uh Overnight got bought out by UPS. Yeah. Okay? And it's like it's like holy. These right. these were stable companies. And and what you know, what is going on here? You know, I don't I don't, I don't I don't understand it.
0: I don't hear
2: too many people throw out the monopoly word, but, I mean, I have and I do because I, I just see it as plain as day because, I mean, with the new new policies and everything like the national, you know, nationalized health care and, and the raise in taxes and the cost of, um, you know, unemployment benefits and, and oh. 401K, I mean, t- I can I can just very easily a monopoly being built here because like i said eighty percent of the trucking companies operate between one and six trucks they're not going to be able to keep up with the taxes and all this all this other stuff that's coming up so you know i'll throw that monopoly word out there i haven't heard it anywhere else but to me it's as plain as a, as the a nose on my face
4: yeah i would i would i would i would actually have to agree with you because uh I heard on the FM radio, what I think it was last month, late last month, uh, they said that uh, about 50-some percent, I, I can't remember if it was in the mid-50s or high-50s, but in a 2014, when this universal health care comes into effect, 50-some percent of the businesses in America alone will drop their health care coverage for their workers.
0: Because oh, sure.
4: it's it is cheaper to pay the fine, so of of that fifty four percent, what percent of that will will be the trucking companies?
2: Right, right. Well, you know, every, and everything's going to go go up. I mean, you know, uh, you know, just like the things I pointed out. You know, their bus, you know, their business taxes. They don't even know what their taxes are going to be and uh so yeah, I can see it to be devastating i- I just see a monopoly being built here and and really has been slowly building for years and years, like you said and uh I can just see it coming and all falling into place but it it just it it always shocks me when um when we hear when we read on the news i mean you know freight picking up, freight picking up uh you know and then a driver like you with your experience is uh is really hurting out there. you know it is
4: it, 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 Yeah, it's, it, it's like it's like where's the freight if it's picking up, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I and I think and even with your carrier it's it's just it falls into line with the monopoly that's being built. I mean that's just my take on it.
4: No, I, I I would I would have to very much agree and that's that's like with the C S A twenty ten rules. Okay? Now this is my take on those in a very quick nutshell. Okay. DOT and the federal government, in in my eyes, wants to take all the old fat truck drivers off the road,
2: and we're 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 seeing that and hearing that from a lot of a lot of drivers. So you're absolutely right.
4: And the bad thing is, is I'm an old fat truck driver. Me too. And <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I am. I mean, I won't lie. I mean, I'm overweight, but I'm not. You know, I've seen guys out here that are just grossly obese. Okay. Right. But right. I don't, you know, and I I don't know if it's a medical condition or what, or if it's just a lifestyle they lead, and they, it don't matter to me. But it's the fact that yes, I'm overweight, but like them, like the other drivers that are obese, really obese, they're still out here trying to make a living for their families or for themselves, like I am.
2: Leave them well, what alone. Else, whatever happened to experience? I mean, don't your doesn't your 18 years of experience count for anything anymore?
4: No, sir. It does not. You <laughs> you will start with any new company, and you, and you will start at, at the same rate as someone fresh out of school does, regardless. Right. right. If it's 31 cents a mile, that's what you start out at, and you start out from the bottom.
1: Yeah,
4: so. yeah
2: I know. I know. Well... Well, good luck to you. I appreciate you calling in. I always enjoy listening to uh, you know you uh, veteran drivers out there, and, and uh, you know our, our show is about OTR. It's not about trucking industry as a whole. It's about over the road trucking, and I just hear stories like yours over and over and over. And sometimes I'm just scratching my head, and that's why I sit back and I look at everything and. And sometimes you don't hear from me for a couple weeks because I'm looking and I'm studying and I'm thinking, and all I see is a monopoly being built because it makes no sense why a driver with 18 years of experience um, is, is having to sit and, and not have loads. That makes absolutely no sense. I mean, your experience should still count for something, and um, the FMCSA, needs, you know, they need to look into this and because it makes absolutely no sense to me.
0: No,
4: I agree and I, I, I wish they would, but you know, the uh, FMCSA, uh the ATA, oh god, the ATA, I hate even saying that name. Uh <laughs> they are they are out for money, okay? That's it. Yeah. They are out yeah. for money and they are out to appease the DOT and the federal government. They're they're not they're not here for the in fact in fact real quick, if I may, years sure. ago I went to Canada I got pulled into the scale house, like, I crossed the border, everything was fine, and it was 2 o'clock in the morning. The scale man just wanted to look at my log All right, I took it in. Well, I forgot to do it for a couple days, and I had just taken time off. And he had me catch it up, and he looked at it, discussed it with his partner, and he said, I have two choices. I can write you a ticket, the fine is set by the judge, you have, uh, He says, I have no bearing over it, and you'll have to pay it. Or I can sh- give you a strong verbal warning. And I was thinking I was cooked, okay?
0: Yeah. And
4: uh, uh, he said, I choose to give you a strong verbal warning. And my mouth hit the floor. Yeah. And he, uh, he, well, I mean, you know, I'm staring $2,500, you know. I didn't know. I hear and you. Uh, he uh, looked at me, and he said, you know up here, it's not about money. We don't want your money. We're about safety up here. He said that DOT officers in the state, all they want is money. I said, thank you.
1: Someone yeah, really. from
4: another country agrees with, with you know, what, what all of us have been saying, you know, uh, out here on the road. DOT yeah. officers, well, yeah, I they mean, care the, a little bit. But.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like a country like Canada, like you're just saying. I mean they're being honest they can see it you know i mean they see it i mean like i said to me it's just so plain but uh it's really amazing that that i mean he just stood right there and told you that
4: exactly it is very amazing i I mean i was i was shocked myself but it was it was the fact that now now i had more respect for him saying that because he was honest he was being straight uh, point blank honest and i'm sorry i can't i can't stand a liar speak yeah. straight up to me. And I, hear I mean you. I mean but yeah, it just it blew me away when he said it.
2: Wow. Well well thanks for the call and good luck to you. Hope things pick up out there and uh uh keep listening to us and tune in and, and let us know how it's going for you because I'm always interested in listening to uh veteran drivers like that. I mean I hear one side, I hear the other side and, and we're trying to figure it all out here. All
4: right, well thank you for having me.
2: Oh, we appreciate it. We we really do. Thanks for listening. And uh let's go here real quick. We're down about uh twenty five minutes left, uh, from the state of Georgia, area code six seven eight. Uh welcome to Truth About Trucking Live. Go ahead.
5: Uh, thank you. How are you guys doing today? Hey, we're doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a first time listener. I'm pretty Glad um, excited. To have you. uh thank you. Pretty excited uh, I decided to call in. I'm um, on the, on the gentleman that just, um, just spoke. I've been, I've been driving about three years, but I've heard uh, numerous stories of drivers that have been driving like 30-plus years and 20-plus years, and it just seemed like um, a lot of these trucking companies were started by, you know, truck drivers with a passion. They really wanted to develop a legacy. And for as, you know, for, like I said, they also had a savvy um, – Business, excuse savvy business people, but now it just seems like there's a lot of politicians and like being kind of like over the uh, over, over the over the uh, profession. And I was kind of I was listening to, to to the last caller, and he was saying for us kind of like the way um, for like you know he works for a large company, and you know they have freight all across the United States of America, but you're not you're not actually getting that freight. And I'm just assuming that basically you know it's it's more its more of an accounting thing where if you look at okay like um, this guy he probably can make fifty fifty five thousand, but why not just pay him thirty thousand and get two guys that could do that then we have two guys out out in out like in, in the general area, and we can cover more freight that way, so for as far as it' really being about the driver, that's kind of that's kind of come a thing in the past what it seems like for my experience.
2: Well, you know, you have a good point, and I do think a lot of companies are beginning to uh, trim down their, you know, uh, forty-eight state operation and trying to trim down into more of a uh, a regional operation, and that's kind of uh, kind of along the lines that you're saying, if, if I'm if I'm following you correctly.
5: Right, but also I guess with that being said, um, uh, you know, regionally, um, like, like like the gentleman said, you know, people that come to drive from a different company. And he'll say, okay, well, yeah, I drove 2,800 miles, 3,000 miles. But the like, the one thing the driver probably really won't necessarily tell him is the fact that he'll probably be getting paid about, like, $0.25, 26 cent a mile. So it's a situation where, okay, either you get the miles, so you know, we're going to limit your pay. Or, you know, you work for a rubber company want to pay you a decent wage. But, you know, like you said, like, if you go out three weeks, they may let you get paid um, a decent amount of miles one week. But for the other two weeks, you know, they would be kinda of average miles. So it's kinda of like you know the miles but that kinda of keep you hanging on. So eventually your frustration level probably builds up and then you'll end up relieving yourself, which of course you can't get unemployment or <laughs> different things of that nature. Not the fact that you're even looking for that. You understand know what I'm saying? So it's kinda of like they're kinda of like putting that pressure it's like it's kinda of, it's kinda of like more of an indirectly applied pressure to a driver, kinda of what it seems like. Oh, I, yeah,
2: I think you're exactly right, and you really hit it on the nail. I mean, it's, uh, I did it for a long time, and, uh, the way the paychecks come in is so erratic. I mean, that guy you just heard was saying $200 for one week. But then, but then they'll throw you a good week, and you'll get a good paycheck, and you'll be like, okay, well, maybe I can hang on a little bit longer. And, uh, oh, I've seen that way too many times. But let me ask you, you um, and, and I, I don't want to know who you drive for, but um, have you seen the freight pick up? Has it picked uh, up for you out there?
5: No, not not, uh, not really. Like I said, it may be a situation where, you know, um, you may get a decent week. And then uh, i had a situation where it was over a weekend. I had a load going to, like, Brownville, Texas. So I was like, it was an opportunity for me to, you know, to drive through that weekend. My family was uh-huh. out of town. So I like, I took the initiative, I drove down there, and, okay, so, I have, so I'm in Texas, I'm thinking, okay, I'll get a certain amount of, decent amount of miles, but it just seemed like the, the following two weeks, they just simply, like it, was like, it was almost like I was being punished for trying to make a certain amount of money that particular week. You know what I mean? The, the way that they kind of eliminated the miles, because basically I think the bottom line is they have a certain number for that driver, for that truck, and then right. they, they just pretty much just, I mean, like I said, when I say bean County it's just strictly up, strictly at Bean County, you know I mean? I got people, you know, a lot of people that are doing you know, 30 years experience, you know, 1,000 miles drive and stuff like that for the week, right. you know. And it's kind of, yeah, I, I just think they're just kind of running strictly off numbers. For well, like you know, From a payroll standpoint, you look at a big fleet, you know, you know, if you got 10 drivers, but if you got got 1,000 drivers. You know, I just think the one that kind of sat down with a pen and a piece of paper said, well, you know, we're sorry, but. You know, we would want to give them all these miles, but it kind of works better for us this way.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, well, it doesn't,
5: doesn't really matter about your family. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
2: Oh sure, and you said you've been driving three years,
5: right? And uh, I've seen, um, you know, some changes then, but I, mean, I understand my, of course, my spectrum is not really broad, and some of the other drivers that, that have that have called up. But uh, I mean, like I said, basically. But I, I've talked, I've talked to several drivers, you know, that my company, and other companies that have been driving for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, they just kind of like you know totally like surprised by all the changes. It's like a lot of lot of changes.
2: Well, let me ask you. Having driven three years now, what uh, what advice would you give uh, a new CDL student, a new driver coming into the industry?
5: Well, the first thing I would do is just simply say have a plan. Like, what is your your goal in driving? You know, I mean, if you're really gonna be, you know, for, you know, you're really trying to get into drive, to drive long term, you know, you need to. Uh, I was just a person, you know, you need to know about personal finances, you know, the way you're gonna eat out here on the road, you know, your diet, cause like you said with the CSA 2010, you know, you gotta kind of watch your diet. It's just a really, I guess it's really, you have to really have to look at it more from a um, a, a true business, um, true business standpoint, because the corporation you're working for are looking at it. From a true business standpoint, right. To where if you're in a situation where you're in a situation where you constantly, you know, you can't save any money, or you know, those are things you're going to still have to consider. That so I'm just going to keep on driving. We'll see how it works out because you just never know. You may, you know, you may go home and next thing you know, you know, you may end up losing a car this week. You're behind on the house payment that week. You know what I mean? You have to kind of be careful. Right. You know, so well, don't stay with the carrier too long. But you know, depending on what your goal is, really have a serious. Plan on for the for the way you want to approach it.
2: Well, that's good advice. Would Would you recommend to somebody looking into OTR trucking? Would you recommend it as a career uh, right now?
5: Well, as a as a, a career, mm-hmm. um, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I probably wouldn't. But you know, the the reality is, you know, we're all here trying to feed our families as right. well. You know, whether well, well, as, well as ourselves. So that, that that that's the reality of Situation, I mean, you know, I, I really enjoy trucking, and mm-hmm. like the well, the one thing that helped me out was I I, I just sacrificed and paid off all of my credit cards. So the less checks you can put yourself in position to write it each week is the is the better your position is going to be for you right. look at debt and some of the different luxury that you may be accustomed to. Because I mean, the companies, I mean, that's kind of like the thing that the company is doing. If you really kind of look at it, I mean, they're looking at it like, okay, we have a we have a new administration in. um, Mr Li wants to do this, so instead of them pushing back you know for the driver pass conversation it seemed like at one point in time that's what trucking companies used to do on behalf of the workers now every everyone is kind of like i feel i feel like they're just trying to stay clear and just trying to see what happens and I feel like with the drivers kind of getting can getting thrown on the bus, under the bus for for a little bit what it seems like
2: you've uh, you've learned a lot in three years. <laughs>
5: Yeah, like I said, like I said, it's not me. Like I said, I, I I talk a lot of veteran drivers. You know, you just be in the truck stops or been operating right. center, just talk to different people, and I just I really listen well, because man, you know, you really have to respect for one that 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 has done done this job. You know, six seven times more years than you've done it. I feel like hey, well, you you'll, you'll be wise too. Respect that type of information.
2: Exactly, that's one of the best ways to learn. Talk to these veteran drivers who've been out there and know it. I mean. I mean, that's just that's just uh, an intelligent thing to do. So, well, um, well, hey, I appreciate you calling, and uh, first-time listener, I hope it's not the last. All right, thank you. All right, appreciate it. All right. And, you know, Donna, we're still hearing kind of the same thing, you know, that's been going on for years. But uh, you know what really gets me is um, the news media, hearing from ATA and all these places about, freight up freight up freight up and we just heard from drivers who not getting any freight.
3: Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> I just uh I came across an article and it was what we were talking about before. Uh it's labeled the worst ever driver shortage looming.
2: Yeah, I Trucking
3: saw that. executives warn. And I found it very interesting. It was in DC Velocity. And um I don't know if everybody remembers um, Derek Leathers. There's a quote in this article from him. He was one of the people on Truck Talk uh, when we went to um, Willie's place in Dallas, and he represented uh, Werner, and he sat on the stage with one of his drivers there. Um, Anybody who who saw the, the Dan Rather show probably remembers. But he has a quote here, and I found this to be very interesting, as did you, it said he noted that because of CSA 2010, he noted that two of his company's drivers, who have more than 7.4 million bot miles between them, without an accident, would be considered unsafe operators under the CSA guidelines.
2: Yeah, and he would. We've got about 10 minutes here, but and he wouldn't elaborate on that. I really wish he would because I'd like to know why two drivers with 7.5 million safe miles under their belts would be kicked out because of CSA 2010.
3: Well, that, you know, makes me wonder, what were they doing? What kind of violations? Were they HOS? Were they equipment violations? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're accident-free and you're uh, in jeopardy of, of having a high uh, violation driver's score, then, what the heck were you doing while you were driving for them? So I, I, that really floored me when I read that that um, if you 're a safe driver, CSA 2010 theoretically should not affect you, and that 's the word theoretically. However, if your violations are due to and I guess that's uh, part of your show next week, either forced dispatch or right. forced to run equipment that isn't uh, you know up to snuff. Mm-hmm. So to speak, then yes, you will be. But I thought that was quite a bold statement. He went on to say, left unchanged, CSA uh, twenty ten could become the most damaging regulation in the trucking industry's history. And he urged shippers to make their voices heard in opposi- opposition to the program if they don't do not want to face a significant shortage of drivers to haul their freight. Well, I think that's just one more thing to set the atmosphere that that there will be a driver shortage, and this way you can't blame us because, uh, you know, if we have to hire foreigners, it's because we can't find qualified drivers due to CSA 2010. Um, I I just found that to be uh, a little bit about him. He has uh, uh, launched, this is just a little bit about this gentleman, um, Derek uh, Leathers, his experience includes advising two US ambassadors to Mexico, and this is written in D.C. Velocity, serving on the American Trucking Association's Cross-Border Advisory Committee for North America and becoming one of the first foreign members... Of Canacar, which is Mexico's national trucking association. Yeah. Prior to joining Warner in 1999, he was vice president of Schneider National's Mexico operations. So that's just a little background um, yeah. of this gentleman. Uh, yeah. Let me uh,
2: jump in here. I'm running out of time, and I want to get all the uh, bear taked. Oh well, he dropped off. Okay, let's get a, a caller from uh, Texas, area code 940. Go ahead. You're on the air.
0: Hey, how you doing, Alan? This is JV from the American Driver.
2: Hey, what's going on?
0: Ah, I appreciate uh, some time here. I, you, cause I wanted to discuss a few issues that you're uh, <laughs> dealing with.
2: Okay, we've got, uh, don't have much time, but I'll give you a few minutes here. Okay.
0: So, however, I'd really like to, uh, to give them, you know, tip my hat to him for. Uh, for for mentioning about having a plan, because I've always been taught, and, it, and this was prior to coming into the industry, that if you, and no matter what facet or industry of life that you choose, you still must always have a plan. If you fail to plan, then you'll always plan to fail. Okay, that's first and foremost. That right there is a smart, smart individual to be able to keep uh-huh. his eyes open. Now, also, being an owner operator, my pay, my miles, not equal to when i was a company driver in pay and i understand what the company drivers are are talking about when the companies are
3: regulating
0: their pay scale by the amount of by the amount of miles that they're they're allowed to drive because that's what they're basically doing you know they may pay them a high wage per mile but they cut their miles way back to still regulate their income
2: sure
0: and i feel that this is absolutely intentional now also um, I have seen myself an increase in local drivers' uh, freight availability, only due to the fact, like you, like what you were talking about, how it seems as though the larger companies are trying to break apart the long haul driving and create more of a local area or regional drivers, and a lot of that is due to the uh, uh, to the subsidies given to the rail lines. Where they're they're not taxed, they don't pay any tax. They they get a cheaper fuel. They don't have to pay this uh, carbon tax, even though they're burning dirtier fuel than we are. But they're they're being utilized more often these days. There's there's a higher higher um, amount influx of container um, uh, loads that are able, you know, that that makes uh, that provides for a lot of the local area drivers. Um, which is why you're seeing a lot of that and which a lot of the owner-operators are now having to turn to because they see it as a benefit because they get to stay at home with their family. But look at what it's doing to the overall industry. As an owner-operator, again, I'm looking at brokers. Uh, You know, I pick and choose my load. And I'm not... I wouldn't say that I'm suffering, but I'm picking it. I'm having to be very selective because... There is a lot of cheap freight, and I don't understand why they're saying, well, I can understand. I'd like to offer a possible answer, why they're saying there's a driver shortage. If there's a driver shortage, then why are freight rates down? Because when you talk about the the law of supply and demand, if your supply is high and your demand is low, you know, prices prices come down. Uh Uh-huh. You know, so if you got a high influx of drivers and you've only got so much freight, you can pick and choose. You can, you can, you can drive those rates down and do whatever you want to do. You know, I, I don't necessarily think that, but for one reason that this is nothing but propaganda and it always seems to prove every, every, about every two to three years, we hear this in the industry that there is, there is a driver shortage. Uh, and a lot of this precursors some type of motivated ulterior plan that the larger companies have in some way, shape, fashion, or form, like some of the rail lines. When they were trying to increase, uh, you know, the usage of the rail lines, all of a sudden there was a driver shortage. Right. And they needed to bring, you know, yeah. And, 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 and you can look back and – I'm sorry –
2: did you read did you read that article about how the railroads are looking at building their uh building their uh, carts cars um with a uh a lighter uh, aluminum where they would get better mileage and
1: um <laughs> it, it would,
2: so if they can make their cars lighter um it would be a way to to uh get more Business away from the trucking industry. Did you see that article?
0: No, sir. I haven't seen that, but it doesn't surprise me to mm-hmm. think that they're trying to they're trying to vocalize in the media more m- more marketing uh, ideas and perceptions as to, to, to draw more more business in. You know, um, it's just, and, and what I don't get is they they've now begun to pick and choose to fight and put the individual drivers out of business and out of jobs. See, now for every every container that's hauled on the train, that's one job that's taken and 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 you know, lost. Right. You put a hundred containers on the train, you've got a hundred jobs lost. Now why is there such a shortage of drivers if mm-hmm. the if the rail lines are actually you know, beginning to to flourish in, this, in these hard economic times. I oh, know. And there's another thing. Let's not, yeah, let's not even get started on the, the economic times and how many businesses have gone out, how many owner many operators no longer are in business. Oh, you know, wow. they're now either company drivers or they've gone on to something else or they've retired. You know, oh. there is no driver shortage. This is just another propaganda uh, another type of propaganda, another marketing ploy to get you looking somewhere else while they're, they're implementing these, you know, these types of, these lobbying, uh, they're getting their lobbyists to, to go after the politicians to be able to implement their legislation that they want that benefits them so that they can do whatever it is that they, they're planning to do.
2: Right, exactly, and you know that—that's just a good way of putting it. But it, it's—I mean, history shows us this. They—they—they uh, get—they get you focused on one thing and one thing only, while in the background they're doing the work to really uh, get what they want done. Done. So, and 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 you know, I believe that's what's going on here too. And I've got about ten minutes. Uh, but JB, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, uh, That's JB of the AmericanDriver.com, which is a is a good site. You need to check that out. But but uh, so let's bring it all together here. We're running down a time here. Let's let's bring it all together. The the truck driver shortage uh, we see and you've heard from many of the callers tonight too uh, is a fabrication brought on by the trucking companies and those organizations and associations with a political clout in order to literally change the way trucking is operated in the United States. And why? Because of a new future economy and a way to squeeze out thousands of the smaller trucking companies in order to create a monopoly of the trucking industry for the much bigger motor carriers. That's how I see it. Now, what do I mean by a new economy? Well, Vice President Joe Biden recently stated that there is no way America will ever be able to create and bring back the eight million jobs lost from this recession and i find that absurd i mean you mean to tell me that america the greatest country on earth cannot create or rebuild eight million jobs i mean we've done it in the past and we can still do it president reagan created tens of millions of jobs over a few decades so america can't create new jobs that's totally absurd to even say that so Here's what I see. First, and this is what Don and I have been talking about, they create a driver shortage. So how? By implementing initiatives such as CSA 2010 and new health restrictions, such as sleep apnea and the body mass index, in order to weed out older veteran drivers. And we hear from many older drivers who are being weeded out for no reason at all, safe drivers with millions of miles. And Keep in mind that, like I said, we're hearing from many of these veteran drivers already losing their jobs due to CSA 2010, and these are veteran drivers with perfect driving records. It makes no sense. So once the massive driver shortage is in place, you bring in the cross-border trucking and use the HB2 visas to allow cheap labor to enter the U.S. and ultimately take over the trucking jobs in the industry. And this isn't a race issue. I love Mexico, the people, the culture, the language. But the huge mega trucking companies will survive the future economic woes, such as higher taxes from the nationalized health care plan, and smaller trucking companies will fall by the wayside, unable to keep up. I mean, look at the facts. Like I said earlier, 80% of all the trucking companies in the U.S. are companies which operate only between one to six trucks. How are they going to keep up? How are they going to keep up with a mega billion dollar trucking industries so you don't see a monopoly building here i mean i certainly do i mean that that's just me uh uh agree or disagree that's fine but that's what truth about trucking lives about we just throw it out there but i I see a monopoly building here how at what degree will they open the border i have no idea but i do know that here in the US if you're here in the US working you're going to have to abide by US laws. Ray Lahood is going to be on top of that, I'm sure, but it doesn't change the fact that how can they say how can they say that they need foreign workers because there's not enough workers here in the US to do the job. That's just absurd. So to break it down basically the, there is a lie being spread throughout the media of a massive truck driver shortage, but the truth about trucking is it is a driver shortage being manipulated and created by the powers of the industry. That's my take on it and the take of many others in the industry as well. We just happen to be one of the few who will actually come out and say it. Uh, so, Donna, i got to wrap it up here like maybe one minute. Any last comments you want to throw out?
3: Uh, No, I think we we pretty well covered it. I I just, like uh, JB and everybody said, um, it's just propaganda. And once people uh, will believe that there is a – if you say something long and hard enough, people will believe it. And therefore, you will be able to justify whatever actions you take because they will believe that it exists. And that's the whole idea of the way I see it, convince people that this is real, convince people that we, we are lacking 400,000 drivers, and therefore they will accept whatever measures you take because they're scared. It's almost a fear tactic.
2: Yeah, and it's a political tactic. Get get you focused on one thing while they do what they want to do in the background. And, again, our Michigan and Ohio listeners, you're looking for a good CDL training school, Go to trainco.com, T-R-A-I-N-C-O, trainco.com. And, uh, okay, thanks, uh, thanks for joining us this evening on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks to all our listeners, those in the chat room, our international listeners, our callers. Had some good calls. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Uh, and, again, our next show will be on Thursday, July 15, 2010 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and our show will be called Forced Dispatch. And, you know, truck drivers who refuse to violate HOS rules or to operate the CMV in a way that would violate a federal commercial motor vehicle regulation are supposedly protected from any kind of retaliation by the trucking company under the Surface Transportation Assistance Act and are actually encouraged to report any such retaliation to the uh, FMCSA or to OSHA. And uh, I'm going to be discussing the Surface Transportation Assistance Act of 1982 and whether or not OSHA and the uh, FMCSA are really doing their part in stopping the motor carriers from retaliating against drivers who refuse to run illegal. You heard a couple stories tonight about that same issue. So that happens to be our show uh, next Thursday on the 15th. So I hope you tune in and join me. Uh, Thursday, July fifteenth, two thousand ten, eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I hope to see you there. And uh, and listen, come be a part of our trucking blog at askthetrucker.com and sign up for our free newsletter at truthabouttrucking.com. And you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com/askthetrucker and uh, and on Facebook. And uh, I guess the easiest way to find us on Facebook, just Google "truth about trucking" on Facebook, and you'll find us. And you know, Twitter and Facebook—it's more than just a social media. Uh, it's also a business media where thousands of us come together, and you can uh, you can be a part of that and make contacts and make friends. And uh, people have uh, found jobs from our Twitter and from our Facebook, from all our, uh, all our friends on there. So it's, it's not just a social media. It can actually benefit you. So I hope you uh, will join us on Twitter and Facebook. And um, also, uh, if you have an iPhone or thinking about an iPhone, check out Trucker, the first trucking application for the industry on the Apple iPhone because now there, there really is an app for
0: everything. What's great about the iPhone is that if you want to check snow conditions on the mountain, there's an app for that. If you want to check how many calories are in your lunch, there's an app for that. And if you want to check where exactly you park the car, there's even an app for that. Yep, there's an app for just about anything, only on the iPhone.
2: And you can find the Trucker app in the iTunes store or at truckerapp.com and visit our sponsors of Truth About Trucking Live. If you're looking to lease a truck, do it the right way. Go to Lone Mountain com and for your insurance needs for that truck that you get from Lone Mountain Trucking Leasing, go to RigQuote.com and they'll set you up and tell them that you heard about them from Truth About Trucking Live. So, uh, Appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show, found it informative and entertaining. And we look forward to you next Thursday, July 15th, for our show, Forced Dispatch. Donna, appreciate you joining me and all the, stu- all the uh, work you do and, and uh, our callers and everybody in the chat again. So we'll leave you with another tune from the soon-to-be-released CD that we told you about. And uh, we'll see you next time on Truth About Trucking Live. So here you're going to hear... Uh, the trucking brand. In fact, Donna mentioned that earlier in the show. So this is another song that's going to be on the um, on the CD, and uh, we'll play it for you here now. So until next time for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. <laughs>
1: Driving these rigs since 79. Never got a ticket, never crossed the line. Dinner's on the table, but it's gonna get cold. Gotta get going, I've got freight too low. Well, I was running through Atlanta doing 58. A four-wheeler cut me off, so I slammed my brakes. Well, the truck went left, but the trailer threw right. And I saw my life flash before my eyes I'm just trying to make a living Running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands Can't give no helping hand Lord have mercy on the The trucking brain. I was fighting the wheel and the next thing I know I hit the sidewalk and over I go Falling so fast I had no time to scream Burning hot metal flying all around me Well I laid there for a minute living out of my head Not knowing if I was alive or not said, let me give you a hand Then he laughed and said, son, you better check your pants I'm just trying to make a living, running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord, have mercy on the, the trucking brand at me and my burning rig, checked out the damage that was done to the bridge, feeling a little crazy and dizzy in the head, barely heard the words that officer said, ten thousand dollar fine and your CDL is gone, better call your mama to come take you home, three million miles and never a glitch. The four-wheeler only got a slap on the wrist I'm trying to make a living running the road Loving my family from a cell phone Nobody understands, can't get no helping hand Lord have mercy on the, the trucking brand Truckin'
2: Alright, one minute to go. I just wanted to jump in here real quick. That's just a few of the songs that's going to be on this new trucking CD coming out in a few months, hopefully. And uh, that song, and a song about Dak, and uh, a prayer for Jason, as you heard earlier. So we're going to keep you posted on that. And we appreciate the uh, songwriters and performer uh, giving us permission to play songs this evening on our show. Um, and join us again next Thursday for July 15, 2010, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Forced Dispatch. And we're going to be talking about OSHA and FMCSA and how trucking companies are held responsible under federal law that they cannot retaliate against a driver for refusing to run an unsafe load or uh, in bad weather or um, to kind of dock up their logbook. So that's going to be our show next week, and I'll be looking forward to that. And thanks again to all the callers, listeners, chatters. Appreciate you all. Our international listeners, keep those emails coming. I like listening, I like reading from all over the world. Uh, Africa, Switzerland, just everywhere. Keep them coming. I appreciate it. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, 30 seconds. uh, We will see you next time on Truth About Trucking Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Alan Smith. Until then, drive safe, and we will see you then. Take care, everybody. Appreciate it.